Hi there. This is Sam Musgrave, pastor over college and young adult ministry at Trinity Community Church. This podcast is a collection of the sermons from our gatherings. My prayer is that you will grow in knowledge and love for King Jesus, or maybe come to faith in him for the very first time. Join me now for this sermon. Amen. Thank you, Luke. Hey, everyone. My name's Noah Potter. I'm excited to be here with you again. If you have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and turn it to Esther chapter 2. We're going to be covering verses 8 to 18. Esther chapter 2. And allow me to open our time once again with prayer, if you'll bow with me. Dear God, thank you for this evening. Father, thank you for your word that you've given us. Father, we pray tonight as we open your word that you allow us understanding, that you open our eyes and ears to hear the truth of your word. Father, be with us this evening. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, Esther chapter 2, verses 8 to 18. For the sake of review, you guys will be reminded that the scene's already been set for us. Chapter 1 has told us that the empire under King Xerxes, it's appeared to be inescapable, invincible, desirable, and dangerous. From the beginning of this book, we've seen a theme that the odds are continuing to be stacked against God's people. And yet we see the shakiness of this world empire. In verse 12 of chapter 1, when Queen Vashti refuses her king's commands. And it's because Vashti refused her king Xerxes' commands that he demotes her from king. This happens after he has a failed invasion of Greece for two years. But it's when he returns home from that failed invasion that he regains his desire to find his new queen. And he's doing this through gathering all the beautiful young women in Persia. Looking to gather them into his harem for him to find a king. And this brings us to our scripture this evening that I'll read for us if you'll follow along. Esther chapter 2, verse 8. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai. Who, who had charge of the women. And the young women, woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, For Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was 
and what was happening to her. Now when the turn came for each young woman to go into King Ahasuerus, after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women. When the young woman went to the king in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go in, and in the morning she would return to the second harem. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Lost it again. One sec. We'll start back at 12. Now when the turn came for each young woman to go into King Ahasuerus, after being 12 months under the regulations for women, since this was the regular period for their beautifying, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with spices and ointments for women. When the young women went to the king in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go in, and in the morning she would return to the second harem in custody of Shahazgaz, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not go in to the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, had cho- who had charge of the woman, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made, queen, made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Man, it's like you get up here and forget how to breathe. (laughs) Excuse me, guys, I'm sorry. God's plan is is always working. Amen? God's providence is king over everything. Amen? Alistair Begg, when talking about Esther, chapter 2, says this, we need to see God working providentially to preserve his people in an unbelieving culture. When discussing Esther, chapter 2, John MacArthur said this, that we're seeing providence working through the empire's affections. God's providence and his love for his people is seen throughout this whole book. But it's here in these beginning verses of chapter 2 that we get to see Esther's rise of influence. We read, when we hear the king's edict, when this starts, we read that The women were gathered, and that Esther was taken 
we can quickly understand that there wasn't much to say about the matter. That these women didn't have many options in what was going on. We see that Esther was immediately shown favor with Haggai. And that this grants her a share of cosmetics. Her share of food and seven young women surely to assist her in her beauty regimen. In verse 10, we, we ought to feel a shift. When we get to verse 10, we ought to feel a little different. We read that Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. We can, see, we can feel that the stakes are raising as Esther's progressing. As Esther's progressing and the favor she's been found with Haggai, she's climbing the ladder, if you will. But it makes us feel a little icky because we know that they don't know her true identity yet. We know that she's a captive Jew, an orphan Jew, bottom of the totem pole in Persia. It's no wonder that... In these next verse, we see Mordecai pacing the courts, gathering every ounce of information about Esther that he could. He was surely feeling probably what we feel, an excitement for her progress, a pain to see what was happening to her, and a fear that her Mordecai, her true roots were going to be found out. This is like the part of the movie when we know the main character's true identity and it's going to be found out. In the opening verse, the opening sermon of Esther, Sam referenced how much this book has had an influence on movies. It's like us anticipating what's going to happen when the clock strikes 12 in Cinderella. How is the prince going to react when she's found out to be a servant maid? What's the princess going to think in Aladdin when she finds out that he's just a poor boy living as a fraudulent prince? And in one of the greatest movies ever made, Spy Kids 3... What's the disappointment that we feel when, if you guys remember, the game characters don't match to their human counterparts? Has anyone seen Spy Kids 3? Praise God. Amen. (laughs) Fantastic. Nonetheless, it becomes apparent here that Esther is more than just a pretty face. The Lord equipped her in ways that made her worth apparent to Haggai. Then continuing on, we read that the process of beautification takes a whole year. Six months of oil and myrrh. Another six months of spices and ointment. And we're told that on their night with the king, these virgin girls could take whatever clothing or jewelry 
that they desired to the king's bed. This is a rigorous, regulated time of training and preparation for these young women. We're given a little clue when we look at original language here. The Hebrew word for regulations is dot, D-A-T, used elsewhere as law. And if you know your Bible, you know that this is foreshadowing to chapter 3 of Esther. When Haman's main argument is that the Jews break the king's laws. Esther, through her actions, is continuing to represent God's people well. Following their laws. That brings us to verse 14. This year-long beauty treatment comes to a culmination when the virgin women have their night with the king. We learn that all the women will have their one night, but it's only if the king calls them by name that they would have another. We again, right here, ought to feel these odds stacking against God's people. Esther, when it comes to her night, is either going to be remembered specifically and made queen or cast to the harem of the king's concubines, used and forgotten. It's also in verse 14, we meet a character named Shahazgaz. Cousins to acid reflex and indigestion. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. In verse 15, we hear about Esther and her night with the king. And it's interesting. It makes me think of uh, MMA fighters on their title fights the referee holding both opponents' hands. And you know by what they're going to start to say who won. You know that when they say the new welterweight champion, you know who the winner is. Listen how Esther's night with the king is introduced in verse 15. When the turn came, For Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter, to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, had charge of the women advised. This is the first time we get Esther's full name. This is another clue into the person that Esther is, the character that she's going to play, the work that God's going to do through her. Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai. At this point, we see a shift that Esther is no longer a character that's having things done to her, but is going to start showing some independence here. It's going to start doing more of the acting in the story here. 
And her first wise move is to only take into the king's room what Haggai had advised. And once again, a common theme in the book of Esther, it's counted to her. It is added to her reputation. In verse 17, the king loved Esther more than all women. And when, and, and, oh, verse 17, the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Amen. God has accomplished his will through a a twisted competition of beauty and sex to raise an orphan girl to be the queen over probably a third of the world's population at that time. And what does he do? Then the king throws a feast to celebrate the coronation of his queen. This is sealed with a feast that is certainly a parallel to the feast that ultimately was Vashti's last. The opening feast where Vashti was banished from being queen was marked by every man doing what he desired and men becoming drunk with wine. What's Esther's feast marked by? Esther's feast here is marked by a remission of taxes and gifts with royal generosity. I wish Esther had something to do with California right now. Vashti's feast ended with contempt and wrath. While a feast of celebration and generosity from the throne is only going to spread Esther's reputation further throughout the kingdom. It makes us ask, Esther chapter 2, 8 to 18, leads us to ask, so what? What's the application of what we've learned tonight? The question here is, how does God's providence challenge us? What do we learn about God's providence through Esther? We just saw that God's providence would have a Jewish orphan girl protect his people from a pagan king. This providence isn't reserved for certain Christians at certain times. You guys are college students. You know everything. You know Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And yet we don't think that he has us where he needs us. And yet we live our lives like he's far away. If you're anything like me, this third one's particularly true. And yet we allow anxiousness and distrust of his plan for our lives to rule our emotions. Christian, take heart. Uh, Be encouraged. Ask yourselves now, do you fight 
to believe that he has you right where he needs you? Do you trust that he's always near? Are you anxious about the life that he'll have you live? Another fantastic application. There's a quote from a theologian. He says, There is no ideal place to serve God except where he has set you down. Esther is an exiled Jew. She was faithful to God right where she was. The best place for us to show Christ's love to others is right where he has us right now. Did did it hit you guys that Esther was living in the palace of the nation that hated her God, that captured her people? She was an exile of this world, doing the work that the Lord called her to. We'd be wise to let Esther encourage all of us to do, be doing ministry everywhere all the time. Ministering, discipling, and loving others can't happen on Sunday alone. It first happens with family, friends, co-workers, peers, classmates, and neighbors. The Lord has you where you are for a purpose right now. For the believers in this room, that's to be sanctified more into the image of his son. For the unbelievers in this room right now, that's to hear the truth of the gospel. That Christ Jesus came to save sinners. That through the free offer of grace, you can be saved. Your sins will be forgiven, promised eternity under and alongside Christ. I pray that becomes a reality for you this evening. Let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our sister Esther, who you worked so graciously and powerfully through. Father, thank you for your perfect plan that is good for all of those who love you. Father, let more be counted to you tonight. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this sermon from the Trinity College and Young Adult Ministry. We would love for you to join us in person soon. For up-to-date information, follow our Instagram at trinityc.ya. For information regarding Trinity Community Church, visit trinitycc.com. Until he returns, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you.